Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast ranking every horror movie ever made. And on this episode, uh, we are joined uh, by author uh, Jordan Carella. Hello. Hello. How you doing? It's it is wonderful to have you on the show. I've I've honestly I've wanted to have you on Rankin' Vile for fuck ever. So this is. This is wonderful. Aw, too sweet. So uh, the, the question that we uh, like to ask uh, guests who are on the show for the first time is, what is your background with horror? Like, did you, have you, are you a lifelong horror fan or did you come to it later? Let's just say that I grew up in the time of Tim Burton's Ascent. And then mm-hmm. when I tried to go for R.L. Stein, my friend's like, nah, you don't want that. And they shoved The Shining into my hands <laughs> at 13. And then at oh, 13, wow. I was reading The Exorcist, Jaws, The Dark Half, Gerald's Game, which you shouldn't read at 13. Also, I was reading the Ger- oh, Ger- God, Gerald's Game. I was reading Gerald's Game in a cabin in the woods. <laughs> Oh and no, no! Terrible time. So, um, but that's like watching. That's like watching the thing while snowed okay, in. Okay, but that's what like, I do God every winter, damn. though. Like I watched the thing this Christmas, you know, like, on Christmas Eve, when it was, there was three feet of snow outside <laughs> during a pandemic when I was living alone entirely in my house. So, you are. You are an action hero. I mean, you know, really, the ending of the thing is very in keeping with Christmas, with, like, the drink shared between mm-hmm. Childs and McCready is very, like, peace on earth and goodwill toward exactly, men. Exactly, because, you know, you have to come together at the end to know that you eat your friends, because friends are food. Yeah. Because, so, anyway, so, but, so, um, but, so I've loved horror for forever, I, you know, so, I, I sort of feel like as an elder goth that, you find joy mm-hmm. through darkness. So, well, I mean, I mean, you're totally right. Like, especially with horror. Like, I think I, I love how much of a universal experience that is for f- people like us, where it's just sort of like I found a lot of comfort in horror stuff as a small child because, like, I was already depressed as shit anyway. And so, watching stuff that kind of backs up that worldview, it's really comforting when you're a small kid. It really is. And like, you know, it's like one of those things where, like, you read it, and when you sh- close the book it goes away right so like yes and so like, yeah when you close the book it goes away and it lives in your head and then you're like okay that's done what's the next one and then i used to stay up all night reading mm-hmm. until five o'clock in the morning you know like the bachman books and like clive barker and like oh, all yeah. this kind of stuff and then like my mom would be like sats and i'd be like oh <laughs> so- I mean, that's, that's exactly it. It's like, no, one of these things is interesting to me. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do, yeah. I mean, well, and that's also the thing about, like, Clive Barker is he, I came to Clive Barker really early on because I had sadistic cousins who made me watch Hellraiser when I was, like, seven. Um, which, you know, honestly, looking back at it, I feel like, uh, I almost kind of feel lucky that, like, you know, at least that movie's sexual politics weren't terrible, like, at least you got to watch Julia, like, cracking dudes over the head to feed them to her boyfriend. And, like, that's fun, I guess. I mean, I didn't watch a lot of horror movies as a kid. I watched Hitchcock. So, like, I grew up on Hitchcock and Mel Brooks, which I think was oh, why wow. I love a comedy horror so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Like, Young Frankenstein is is the, the Rosetta Stone. Okay. So, like, I love Young Frankenstein. One of my favorite shows right now is what we do in the shadows right so like and that's yes so like and that's one of my favorite vampire movies of all time like i love a vampire but that's my favorite vampire movie of all time and so like i mean my first like so like i don't know so but because it 
it doesn't, it shows like, yes, these are serious monsters, but let's just not take them seriously. I don't know. Yeah, completely. Well, and I think what we do in the shadows also what, what what's every every time I watch that movie, I find a new thing about it that I love. And on the most recent rewatch, like obviously it's one of the funniest fucking movies, but I th- th- there are bits of it that are genuinely harrowing like proper horror shit. Mm-hmm. Like the chase scene where he's like trying to get out of the house and they're just like floating around after him, like that's genuinely really really effective horror. Like that movie is so good. And also, it, it gets back into the horror tropes of, like, you're eating worms, right? And so, like, you're like, ooh, that's, that's an old, old, old thing from, like, forever ago. So Oh, yeah. I mean, that goes back to, like, Renfield eating bugs, like, mm-hmm. which also... Yeah, which also, I can't think of Renfield without thinking about Tom Waits as Renfield in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, I, I, that's, al- that's always what I think. And then I always mix up... Renfield's name and Tom Waits, not Tom Waits, but a Renfield's <laughs> name from Dracula and the guy from Rocky Horror. <laughs> I can't remember his name, but the actor is so good. I'm like, what's his name? Renfield? They're like, no. So, so, <laughs> no, but, so that's, that's his stage name now is Renfield. That's his professional stage name. Like, this is that's... the comedy horror thing with me, right? So like, and then... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god uh, uh th- so all right so let's get into it. we are speaking of what we do in the shadows uh, for this episode we are doing a uh, a vampire double feature um the first movie we're talking about let's dig into this uh what uh so let the right one in is a swedish horror movie i mean if if, if somebody is listening to this podcast i'm entirely sure they're aware of Let the Right One In, but for those of you who don't know, uh, Let the Right One In is a 2008 Swedish uh, vampire movie, uh, and it is... Now, Jordan, how ha- you had seen this before, I think, right? No, I had never seen this one. I, no. <sighs> oh, wow, wow, wow. What'd you think? I loved it, and I sort of have this theory now that all vampire movies are coming-of-age movies in a sort of way. Oh, so- wow. Because you're you know basically what? like, congrats, you're a vampire. Now try to figure out if you're a horrible person or not. Ooh, I love that. Especially, I'm thinking of Vampire the Masquerade. Mm-hmm. Like, so much of your character arc in Vampire the Masquerade is like trying to hold on to your humanity. Right. Or like trying to trying to decide like, yeah, what kind of a vampire do I want to be? Um, and Let the Right One In is one of these, one of these movies that... Every time I watch it, I kind of can't believe this movie exists in the way that it exists. Like, it's it's. Inc- I've I've never seen a movie like this. It's incredible in the way that like it's it it's like the kid the vampire is like twelve and in the way that a vampire can be twelve, right? So, mm-hmm. and then it's but it's one of those like it gets into vampires and their feelings and what the vampire wants to do. But at first, the vampire. You know, they have a helper because the vampire doesn't want to be terrible, but then has to. And it's like, gets into the humanity mm-hmm. of this 12-year-old vampire, right? But also, it's yeah. really gay, too, because the oh, vampire is oh, like, so I'm not gay. a girl. And there's a lot of queer relationships within the movie itself. And the vampire says to the 12-year-old boy, who's the main character, Oscar, would you love me? Do you love me because you think I'm a girl? And Oscar's like, yeah. Would you love me if I wasn't a girl? And Oscar thinks about it and goes, yeah. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, my God. So, man, um, it's it's wonderful. I would also put forward, I think vampires belong to the gays. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, like, it's absolutely. Uh, and, and, and I think it's also because, like, 
you know, you think of like the earliest like vampire stuff, like Carmilla is super gay. Like, and and even stuff like uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, like the book, not the movie, which is also very gay. Um, I feel like Bram Stoker's Dracula is reactionary in the way that it's like so determined not to be gay that it ends up being super gay because like the the trio of dudes that need to kill Lucy Westenra for having for having a sex drive like there's this huge homosocial bond between those three dudes in the novel that every time I read it I'm like these guys are so gay for each other it's incredible it, it the, so there's this there's this also like Bram Stoker himself was bisexual really so, yes so when you find out that Bram Stoker himself was was gay and then you find out that he had to write this very not gay book in the 19th mm-hmm. century, which was, you know, uh, so yeah, so. Um, Holy looking... shit, I, that is something I woke up not knowing today. I am so happy to know that. Today you learned, yes. So, um, <laughs> so <No. laughs> um, but I really liked the movie. It has that sort of it has non-American pacing, but the pacing is wonderful because the whole thing is set mm-hmm. in the Swedish dark snow. So, yeah. Um, it's, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, especially, like, I, Scandinavia to me is this sort of, like, mystical scary land, I think, because of, like, black metal music and also because it's, like, I mean, it's dark all the fucking time and there's snow and it's cold. Like, it it as as a setting to me it lends itself perfectly to vampire narratives mm-hmm. um but yeah so so uh, oscar is a 12 year old boy who um he's got like a single mom and he is uh not he's kind of a burgeoning school shooter if that does that sound true? It sounds almost true if it, if 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 it wasn't for the vampire, right? That yes, yeah, exactly. Like he, so he is getting uh, the shit bullied out of him by his classmates, who are just—they are just little shitbirds. I tell you what, they're awful. And if and if the vampire literally didn't come in and tell him and tell him. Well, if the ending didn't happen, there's this whole thing with the divorce and everything. And oh, let's get let's get into that. What's going on with the divorce in this? So I think okay. So I was thinking about. So one thing is the mom has to be the disciplinarian and the person who tells the kid to brush his teeth and tells the kid to go to school and tells the kid to go this. And every time he goes to his dad's house, the dad's like, "I'm the fun one." Until the dad's boyfriend comes over and is like, "We have guests, and now you have to sit here and." be polite and everything um and so it's just like and and then oscar realizes that no dad isn't the fun one dad's only the fun one until his guests come over so Mm -hmm. and it's like the whole divorce thing it's very it's it's hard because oscar's trying to wants to be his dad but he also is between like his dad and his mom and then when he goes home to his mom, his mom's just trying to keep him safe and keep him and keep him on, you know, becoming a good person. But Oscar is also at that twelve-year-old state where he wants to rebel, but is put in, being put in that put in put in that place by the bullies, and is falling in love with this vampire. It's very, it's, 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 it's a coming-of-age story not only for Oscar but also uh-huh. for the vampire, and 
I don't know. And also, I just want to point out in both movies, there was this egg that like could possibly oh. either kill or like make you rich. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, no, you're totally right. Like Oscar has a, Oscar has a full fucking dance card to deal with emotionally before the vampire shows up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like he's already going through it. And also, so Eli, uh, the vampire, who is a also a child vampire, which. I feel like we have Anne Rice to thank for the phenomenon of a child who is also a vampire mm-hmm. and like the unique the unique horror of that. Um, and Eli is uh, what's amazing is that at first um, Oscar wants to be friends and Eli's like, no, fuck you, we're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> like, does not want to be friends with his ass. Um, but what's incredible now, and this is the thing that lays me low emotionally and makes me want to cry until my my face falls off is the use of Morse code in this movie between Eli and Oscar. Like, tapping out messages to each other through the wall. Because they have a wall between them um, in the apartment. And they communicate to each other with these taps. And it just... It's so goddamn beautiful, this relationship that develops between Eli and Oscar. It is. And there's these... My favorite thing is that Eli has their dad... Right or their person that their caretaker, but I, what I mm-hmm. love is that Eli totally kicks out their caretaker so that they can tap on <laughs> Scott through the wall. I mean, that's the dream, isn't it? Like when you're like, a kid, like, get like... out! Like I need to talk to this friend of mine. So like, uh, but like it's the the whole movie is very complex. It's not just a coming of age thing. It's also this also this coming up coming to terms of. Of relationships with these adults that are also there and the parents that are also there and like it's this whole like multi-layered thing um that mm-hmm. ends up having a lot of murder in it well yeah well i mean and the murder especially like eli's caretaker is, you know they're, they're doing this thing where they're trying to find uh victims so that um they can you know, harvest blood for their... Like, they're trying to give this kid a Capri Sun pouch of blood, basically. <laughs> exactly. Like, they, they got a kid, they gotta, they gotta support him, they gotta, they gotta give the kid blood. Um, and so, um, a lot of... Now, uh, for a very sweet movie, this movie's body count is buck wild. Mm-hmm. A lot of people die in this. Um, and what's also incredible is that... So, uh, Eli's uh, caretaker, who, um, there's, like, they try to get a body for Eli, but it goes, it goes funny and there are witnesses. So, their caretaker, like, pours acid onto his own face to prevent anybody from recognizing his face. It's better it's a, makeup it's than a lot. Two-Face it, than Harvey Dent Two-Face in um, <laughs> Dark Knight. I just want to say, I said that out loud to the TV. I was just like, wow, that's pretty good makeup. So, yes. <laughs> It's 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 very good makeup, um, and so, basically, so Eli kills I think her uh, caretaker who is in the hospital after getting his face melted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's honestly all even that is really sweet because their caretaker is like, "Do you want to you know do you want to tap this neck and just <laughs> like they they're sort of like hey you want to hit this and then they do and they drink they they drain them and they die so now Eli is. Uh, all alone in the world in this apartment and Oscar is next door. It's this whole story about loneliness and finding someone to spend the rest of your life with because the mom is divorced and the dad is divorced, but the dad has someone to spend your life with and the bullies have people that support them. But Oscar and Eli don't, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, so, they don't. Like, they, they, there's almost, you, you get the impression that Eli and Oscar are almost like feral kids in a way, I think. Mm-hmm. So, like, so like, like, it's this fun, so, like, winter is a lonely season because everything is dead and covered in blah, 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 blah. Like, I could mm-hmm. know, po- poetry, right? So, but so, like, Eli mm-hmm. is alone and Oscar is alone. Except because Oscar thinks he's alone because he doesn't like his mom. So whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, so, but like, so Oscar and Eli find each other through the magic of Rubik's Cube. And yes. Yes. And then they, and then through mass murder, they become friends. So, you know, like you do. So it's sweet. It's, it's sweet. When you're it's, friends it's like with a life, it's a life affirming murder spree. It's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's about friendship. When, when you're friends with a vampire, you know, that's just how it do. You know, if you're friends with like a human being, hopefully that's not how you become friends. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. Now, what's also incredible is that, so Oscar, so much of Oscar's arc in this movie is like trying to learn how to stand up for himself because basically, like, like he um, is getting so bullied by these kids and he as almost kind of like a power fantasy thing is like sort of hoarding like uh, sort of clippings from newspapers and, and stuff about murders. And he just he imagines getting revenge upon them. But, you know, he can't really totally bring himself to do it. And Eli is just kind of like, hey, man, you should you should stand up for yourself. Fuck those kids. Uh, but Eli is just he, he you know, I finally uh, or, or Oscar. Um, actually does stand up for himself and he whacks this one kid right in the fucking dome with like a, a metal stick. That kid, there's a lot of blood after he hits that kid. Oh yeah, yeah. But then <sighs> there's a lot of blood later. There's just, if you, I was going to say, if you don't like blood, <laughs> don't watch this movie, but you're probably like, it's a vampire movie. So it's just, it's a given. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you're if, if if you're not into blood, maybe don't watch vampire movies. Like, yeah, I feel like that's a good I feel like that's a good rule to follow. Um, now, what's also incredible is is that up until this point, um, Oscar doesn't suspect shit about Eli being a vampire. But what I like about this movie is that it's not one of those vampire movies where they're like, "I can't go out in the sun. I drink blood." I, he's just like he's just like, "Hey, are you a vampire?" at one point like they know in this vampire movie that vampires exist like that's something that drives me batty about vampire movies it's like hey this guy can't go Mm -hmm. out in the sun hey this guy burst into flames hey this guy drinks blood what the hell is going on i'm like yeah what yeah just having a character to go hey you're a vampire like it's honestly uh it's one of the things by the way that uh i i love and appreciate about this movie is that uh, a thing that drives me crazy in in vampire movies or like sort of like werewolf movies or things like that is when they belabor the point about whether or not vampires exist. And if you've got the main character, you know, trying to get everybody to believe that there are vampires and nobody's listening to him and like you can only that should be done by the first act for Mm -hmm. me. Um, so that, you know, because everybody watching this thing is already, we're off to the races. Like, we all want to watch a thing with vampires in it. So, like, let's get to that. And this movie, yeah, it doesn't fuck around at all with that. Where it's just, he just asks her, asks them straight up, like, are you a vampire? And I, does Eli cop to it immediately? I, I think they do. And it's one of those things where I think they do because, like, it's the after the point where, like, they just go to town on some blood on the floor, right? So I think oh, like yeah. they can't just like <laughs> they can't just like say no, I'm not. <laughs> Mouth covered. What do you mean? Right. Bear so bear. so so yeah. So like <laughs> they can't hide it anymore. 
So, um, yeah, and no. It, yeah, this my, is this is this is like discovering your kid in the kitchen with their mouth covered in cake, and you're like, Are, "Did you eat cake?" And they're like, <laughs> "No." Like, yeah. Well, and there's also a bit where Oscar um, wants to do the blood, like the bro- the blood brother thing, where like you both gash your hand and clasp them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know he cuts his hand and. Eli just like licks up Oscar's blood and then goes, I gotta go and runs the fuck away because it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to keep it 100 with you, chief. I want to drain all of your blood and kill you, but also you're my friend. So I'm just going to lap up a little bit of it and duck out here. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, you know, when someone like hugs you really tight and you're like, I really like this. So I got to leave. Right. Cause like when you're crushing it and you're like, I like, I just, like, this was cool. I'm blushing. I'm having a feeling. So this was cool. I got to go mm. to the other room and, like, then outside and then to the next state. Right? So. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's the terror of being, it's the terror of being known. Uh-huh. Right? Like, it's, yeah. you don't want, you don't, it's, it's uncomfortable having another human being knowing you on that level at first mm-hmm. because you're sort of like, well, what, what if, if, what if that's not okay? What if I'm not okay? Right. And so like Eli's, so when Oscar actually asked them, are you a vampire? They sort of have this like relief look on their face. Like, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so. Yeah. Like, oh, gr- oh, good. I don't have to, I don't have to fucking spell it out for you. You've seen me lapping up blood and you did some math. I'm really happy about that. Congrats. <laughs> um, and yeah. And now, so the, it, it sort of, it keeps, um, Going where uh, Oscar is getting sort of bullied. Now we need to talk about one of I think the the best moments in this movie where um, they're at like a swimming pool and this kid is trying to drown Oscar and eventually just gets his fucking head chopped off by Eli. Yes. And the head just sinks to the bottom of the goddamn pool, and it's just this movie is I, I think. For me, my, one of my favorite things in, in, in horror especially is a mixture of tenderness and brutality mm-hmm. with the way that they're telling a story. Because this is a really sweet coming-of-age story, and also, we're killing kids in this movie. Like, So Eli says at one point, like, way early on, I will help you destroy these bullies, basically. And so Eli's mm-hmm. like, yeah, 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 whatever. So Oscar's like, yeah, 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 whatever. So, but then, at that pool moment, they just do. But the best bit is, after there's, like, arms, just severed arms and heads and f- severed legs in the pool, there's just one kid bawling on the bleachers. Oh, yeah. His, yeah. He's just alive, just crying on the bleachers. Yeah, you've just, you've just watched uh, your, body, your, your buddies, or not even your buddies, just, like, you've watched a bunch of other kids getting their bodies pulled apart and tossed into a pool. Anyway, have fun in therapy, I guess. <laughs> oh, my God, the poor guy. But he was oh, also sitting there. He was just sitting there. Every time the, every time Oscar got bullied, he was egging everybody on. The one kid, I feel bad for the one kid who tried to run away and cry and make it not happen. He got totally uh-huh. destroyed. So I oh, felt bad yeah. for him because he was always having second thoughts. But the kid on the bleachers was always egging it on. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then that's no, what it is. is no, like, sorry for oh, him. It's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Did things actually kind of uh, get real here for a moment after? Like, listen, you wanted this, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um now, there's also uh, a bit where, like, I think Oscar has trouble um, initially sort of 
engaging with the fact that Eli's gotta kill people and drink their fucking blood. Um, and which sort of makes sense to me as like a conflict, you know, because I mean, for him up until now, enacting violence on other people has been sort of aspirational or it's been abstract or it's been sort of, I'd like to be able to do that kind of violence. And I think, and I don't know if this is just me navel gazing. I feel like part of, part of uh, Oscar loves that Eli can do this to people because it keeps Eli safe from other people. And then Oscar doesn't have to do it himself. And it's the point yeah. where, where Oscar's trying to help Eli and Eli just fucking does it themselves, right? Because e- yep. Oscar's trying to save Eli and Eli's just like, like literally like vampire just swirls around this person and just like murders them right yeah which i i and yeah and i love that as like a vampire superpower of just like i'm a fucking killing machine i'm Mm -hmm. I'm a tornado full of knives don't even worry about it Mm -hmm. like the thing is like because eli is small because they're 12 they just Mm -hmm. like literally just scale a dude scale a motherfucker and just like bite them and just destroy them yeah so yeah Completely. Well, and it's also, I, and I, I want to say, like, horror movies, I feel like, especially 70s horror movies like Carrie and, and like, sort of early slasher movies, little kids in horror can be fucking monsters, <laughs> like, with bullying. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think the, the main bully that's, like, uh, tormenting Oscar at the very end before he gets fucking Julienned by Eli, um, his thing is he's like, I'm, I'm going to hold your head underwater and... And you have to hold your breath for three minutes or I'm going to cut your eyes out. Which, that's a lot. That's a lot, dude. Oscar says at one point, that's impossible. (laughs) Yeah, like, that's not even, I'm not a deep sea diver. Like, I'm not a cliff diver. There's no way I'm holding my breath for three minutes. Um, But yeah, so um, the kids get, uh, you know, horribly dismembered, and then we get uh, the the cutest goddamn scene in all of recorded vampire cinema, where uh, at this point, you know, Oscar is Eli's guy. Like, Mm -hmm. they are are a package deal. They travel together. I feel like a lot of vampire media would refer to Oscar as being Eli's ghoul. Familiar or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like some somebody who answers the phone while you know your vampire's asleep, <laughs> um, and you know they're on a they're on a train and Eli's in a, a a coffin or not not a coffin it's like a box, um, and they just tap the, they use Morse code to tap the word kiss to each other. I know, <sighs> Jordan, my heart. I know it's like it's like it's like you know when you're murder buddies. This is how you gotta travel. <laughs> One of you is in a box, and the other of you is in the seat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you've got to. I, I love that you sort of you get the impression it's very lived in. Like you 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 really get the impression that they're both like developing this kind of simpatico with each other, where they're figuring out like, all right, what does it look like when we're both on the road together? How are we going to coexist? And it's just. It's just the goddamn sweetest. It's a very sweet movie for being as dismembery as it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's uh for I mean you know I feel like there should be more uh, tender movies that have this this amount of gore in them. 
like what if what if they had you know when Harry met Sally, but maybe a few more decapitations. Um, so let's uh, let's let's rank uh, let's rank this one real quick. Um, so looking at our list, um, I'm I'm not I'm 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 gonna keep it 100 with you. I kind of I really love this movie and think that it is relatively far up the list. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. Um, so looking at the list, uh, Jordan at number um, 27, we have another coming of age movie. <laughs> Uh, which is uh, Brian De Palma's Carrie from 1976. Which do you think is a better movie, Carrie or Let the Right One In? I mm, so I really like Carrie a lot. Mm-hmm. I also <laughs> something else. I also really like Eraserhead <laughs> a lot for really weird reasons. But oh, I, I love Eraserhead. But, so, but I like Carrie more than Let the Right mm-hmm. One In for reasons that. Carrie, there was a, Carrie has a little bit more, no, actually, you know what? I actually like this more than Carrie, but Host, I would put Host above this one. So I would actually put this one. Oh, yeah. Is that 2006, um, The Host? Oh no no! Um, actually, that's uh, that's the host. Um, at twenty six, host uh, above Carrie is the one from uh, last year, which is oh. uh, a Skype sort of or not Skype, but like Zoom based okay. uh, possession movie, which was like it takes place during the pandemic, and uh, they summon a demon, and, and then it's really really great. It's on, uh, it's on if, Shutter. Uh, if you uh, okay, I have Shutter. Okay, so so I would put that between. I haven't seen Host, but I would put that above. Carrie, because Carrie is great, but this is actually, I think, more of a coming of age film mm-hmm. that has I agree. more prescience now. I, I mean, I hate to say now, but now, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, no, it's sweeter. I think, I think it's just totally, sweeter. Yeah. I think so. you're totally right. Well, and it's also, I think, especially for movies with like cruel children getting their comeuppance. Like there, and and not that a movie, as you know, like not that not that a movie, you know, needs to have a nice uh, ending or needs to end on a nice note. But for me, I mean, Carrie doesn't. I mean, there's no catharsis for anybody at the end of Carrie. There's a jump like, scare at the end, and which is <laughs> which, which is fine, but it's also mm-hmm. like a cheap shot, right? So like, yeah, and this doesn't have that cheap. I mean, it has the Morse code at the end, which is very sweet. But like, it doesn't have that cheap jump scare at the end, which makes you fall out of your seat. Yeah, so. that's yeah, that's totally what it is. Like, let's if we're going with endings, I prefer tapping the the Morse code for kiss through a, a box to your vampire partner. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going with that over a stupid jump scare of an uh, arm popping out of a grave. <laughs> um, it's yeah, that jump scare is, is pretty is pretty dorky. Um, but so I do think that Let the Right One In is better than uh, Host from twenty. 20- 20, which is again a movie that I love very very much side note Jordan there's a scare in host where there's like a, a demon that's invisible in a room but you kind of know that it's there and somebody has left their zoom filter on which puts like goofy faces on other people's faces oh, no. and you just kind of see this floating face like goofy face filter in the background that then moves and looks at them right before the camera moves like it's 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 just I, I, I think you would this. fucking okay, love I it. To see this okay yeah, um, but right above, I, I think it's better than host. But right above host at number twenty-five is the Blair Witch Project, um, from obviously nineteen ninety-nine. I, I, th- I like. I saw that in the theater in nineteen ninety-nine. before. Oh. Okay, but this is before. The I saw it on opening day, 
in 1999 before like when people were like i don't know if it's real and i don't know blah 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 blah. and so oh, like man. so my experience with Blair Witch project is very different than a lot of other people so um uh-huh. i don't so i don't i would like i don't i really liked that movie a lot mm-hmm. aside from the shaky cam which made me a little sick to my stomach but so um Mm-hmm. So I really liked Blair Witch Project a lot for basically the experience of seeing it in 1999 and not having the spoilers. That that is that is magical that you got to because again at the time like that was I mean like there'd been a couple of kind of found footage things before that like uh, you know Cannibal Holocaust or something but that's amazing that you had the experience of just like getting to go in blind knowing nothing about it and being like what the fuck am I watching so I. I, I Full disclosure, and Blair Witch Project was like, what is happening? What is happening? What is happening? And then the end with the guy in the corner, I lost Ugh. it. I lost it. I, yeah, and mm-hmm. like, so, um, but so I would put it, but I would still put it above there, only because now you know Blair Witch Project is not what it is at the time. Because mm-hmm. my experience now, I, th- I think, I think, I don't know. I would actually be interested to hear what other people, because my experience watching it is totally different than other people's. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I I, uh, I think in uh, 1999 I was uh, I was 13, uh, and so I I would have loved to have seen it in theaters. But the thing is that my mom was like super super conservative, so there was no goddamn way I was I was getting to go see that in theaters. Um, however, you know, side note, I did get to sneak into the theaters to see uh, Freddy versus Jason when I was 16. Nice. So you know, deeply exciting there. Um, but yeah, so I feel good about putting. Um, let the right one in uh, the the Swedish uh, version and not the American remake uh, as our new number twenty six. Yes. Uh, and also, I haven't seen the American remake, but I'm kind of like okay on that one. Like, I feel like I'm good. I, I feel like I don't need to see that. What I've heard is that it gets rid of a lot of the character beats. <sighs> why though? Like, that's why the movie is good. It kind of makes me think of um, the American version of La Femme Nikita, mm-hmm. which I I hate the American remake because, like, the original La Femme Nikita, and this is a total sidebar, um, the original La Femme Nikita, I love that, you know, you've got this this kind of feral woman who's an assassin and is just, like, looking for some kind of tenderness, and her partner who, like, you know, begins to find out about what's going on with her and doesn't respond with, like, anger or accusations or cruelty. He just wants to be there with her mm-hmm. in what she's going through. And just like, God, just, like, talk to me. Like, just tell me what's going on. Where in the American remake, as soon as he finds out that, like, hey, your partner is an international assassin, he just, like, in the American version, he just starts, like, yelling and being a little piss baby. And it's just, like, congratulations for stripping everything interesting out of that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of interesting dynamics, let's dig into the second movie uh, we're doing for this week, which is uh, Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. Um, holy shit, this movie. Okay. The one thing I learned about this one is also a coming-of-age movie, but also... According to both movies, if you're a small child vampire, you sleep in a bathtub. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're a small child vampire, you sleep in a bathtub. Also, um, also apparently, you, if you're an American vampire in the 80s, you have to come from the cast of Aliens. <laughs> Did you notice yeah. that? Like, oh, oh Lance, yeah. Lance Hedrickson... The woman who played Vasquez and Bill Paxton as the yeah. road tripping they are they're all they're all on a road trip like they 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 went yeah. through Oklahoma, Kansas and North Texas. 
Um, well, and that's also it. Literally, Catherine Bigelow, who was uh, married to James Cameron at the time, ah. literally. Yeah, I mean, this was the like near when Aliens was made, and so this was literally just like, "Hey, y'all, uh, if you have like a weekend <laughs> to make my my scrappy little vampire movie." Uh, you know, we can get you in the mix with, uh, you know, with a, a van and your vampires and, you know, just, so literally it is just like, this is like half the cast of Aliens in a Southern vampire movie. And also, I, so the thing is, this movie is pretty flawed to me in a lot of ways, but a thing it does that I really, really love is that it's like one of the first Southern vampire things in movies. I really, so I, so I like this as a sort of southern dust like panhandle ish um mm-hmm. like that i actually mm-hmm. said that out loud i said i like this because it takes place in kansas and Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah like it's it's such a i mean it, it makes me think of why the 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 first scene from the pilot episode of true blood works so well for me where like you know you're at this gas station and you think that the goth looking guy is the vampire and then it's actually just the good old boy in the trucker hat who pops the fangs out and says he's gonna eat you mm-hmm. like that's that's how you make vampires interesting is mix that up a little bit and be like yeah it's vampires but in kansas and that's where this is going on. I really, I also know the thing I really liked is that a whole bunch of scenes is like, why is this scene here? Right? It makes no <laughs> sense. And then at the end, you're like, oh, that's why this random scene was in this movie because at the end, it has to be there. So, like, so I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's why the, we had to sit through 10 minutes of that. So, um, <laughs> so, so it was a great there, I also think that Bill Ted Paxton either has to play the guy who doesn't know what's going on or the mm-hmm. creepy guy or the both so oh, yeah so like he really played a really good really creepy vampire in this now and, like, let's disgusting let's dig into that first of all Bill Paxton my, my beautiful husband uh he <laughs> Uh, rip in peace. He honestly, as uh, Severin the vampire, um, he is the highlight of this movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and like Bill Paxton, I feel like I imprinted on him as a baby because of the movie Twister. Uh, <laughs> but because I love that fucking movie so much. But I mean, so actually, wait, wait we should get into the the, the plot proper. I'm, I'm getting yeah, ahead okay, of myself. Okay, sorry, um, sorry, we, sorry. Oh no, I'm sorry. That, that was my bad. Because I just really, it's just like, can we talk about Bill Paxton? But we've got to <laughs> lay a little bit of drama. Go ahead, plot, plot though, plot. So, so, plot such as it is in the movie Near Dark, um, it follows the blandest white boy in Kansas, uh, Caleb, who is, uh, he's a good old boy, and he, you know, lives with his father, and he, you know, he's he's kind of like a, a you know, sort of corn-fed all-American boy, and he meets uh, a young lady named May, who, wouldn't you know it, is one of the living dead. Uh, and, you know, he's sort of, uh, th- you know, he's hanging out with her and he knows that something is off because she keeps making reference to her family and there's, she bites him and then she, she dines and dashes basically, right? <laughs> like she, she bites, she bites him and goes, ah, I gotta go. And One of the scenes that doesn't make sense is he takes her randomly to see his horse and the horse is like, no way. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. The horse isn't having any of this shit. Um, <laughs> And, you know, so she she bites him and then fucks off into the night. And then Caleb is, like, going back home as the sun is coming up. And the, you know, he starts uh, cooking like a Jimmy Dean sausage running across this field. His flesh is smoking. The sun is cooking him. Um, 
and at this exact moment, um, May. Now, I will say, I love this van, mm-hmm. the the RV that the vampire family travels around. And it's got like blacked out windows. It's just a creepy RV full of vampires. The cars um, that the vampires pick up along the way and modify as they're driving is a cool feature. The, it's a, yes. The road trip aspect is very cool. I really like that. I completely I completely agree. Like, there are so many parts of this movie that I think are so goddamn, like, the world building, and, like, it's so scrappy and cool. Like, it's, even when it doesn't always stick the landing, I... And, and, you know, full disclosure, I'm a Catherine Bigelow, like, nut swinger from way back because I love the movie Point Break, mm. um, which is also super gay. Uh, and, the, you know, I feel like Catherine Bigelow, I always, I feel like I always know why she's doing what she's doing. You know what I mean? Right. And so, like, that, that's why, like, the, the horse scene, and then there's another scene that comes up. So, like, the cool thing, the van is super cool. The dad and the sister, and the sister is a plot point, this, are like, hey, it's Caleb running across our dirt field because we have a farm that grows nothing except dirt. All our fields are fallow <laughs> for some reason. So we have to run very slowly to get Caleb's attention. Why is this van driving 70 miles an hour across our dirt roads? What's <laughs> happening? We have to stop and watch this. Oh, no, Caleb's been kidnapped by random blacked out window RVs. We should do nothing about it for 10 minutes. So, so listen. Anyway. They've got a they've got a they've got a bumper crop of dirt that they have to harvest before. But dirt like he's a veterinarian, season. right? So like, which is cool, um, and that's also yeah. A point. So yeah. So um, so dad's a veterinarian that grows dirt, and so um, so the the RV is very cool, and like you've got Lance Hendrickson, who's Jesse, who's you know a badass, and the and and his girlfriend, who's you know got blonde hair and dyed blonde hair, and then there's May, who's an who's I don't understand May at all, except for the fact that no. she's just a there. And then there's Homer. <laughs> she is part of this. And there's Homer, who's a ten-year-old creepy kid. Va- we got a creepy kid vampire in this one. And oh hell yeah! He's very creepy. And then that's it. And then there's Caleb, who's just boring. Um, and so um, and they're all yeah. just road tripping well, vampires. A lot of motel stops. So. Oh yeah, it, it almost kind of the the motel stuff kind of puts this in like Devil's Rejects territory for me on some level, where it's these sort of seedy, transient places that I kind of love. Um, the kid who plays Homer, by the way, uh, later on became a screenwriter, uh, and he was also I don't know if you've seen the movie Teen Witch. Yes. Um, yeah, he's the creepy kid from Teen Witch as well. Oh. Uh, so yeah, that's that that's that kid. Um. It, which God, that that's a that's a stay tuned for sure. By the way, for doing Teen Witch for Rankinvile, um, but yeah, like the kid, I you know, thankfully, by the way, um, the the lady uh, who plays Vasquez in Aliens, thankfully not in Brownface here um, as Diamondback, uh, Lance Henriksen's. Yeah, always nice. Um, and honestly, Lance Henriksen. Um, listen, on this podcast, we we love and honor Lance Henriksen, uh, legendary character actor. Um, he does a good job in this role as uh, Jesse, but the problem is he just peppers in there casually when uh, Caleb asks, like, well, how old are you? And he goes, well, I fought for the South. Chuckle, chuckle. And it's like, gross. We're just pep. We're just popping that in there, I guess, that you were a Confederate. It's, just, it's like, OK, there's there's a lot of latent 
I'm just, this movie's very racist. I just, I just want to say, that. Like, <laughs> like when Bill Paxton, yep. she, like, like he's pulling over some people to kill. There's two black women, and then like when they jump into the semi truck, which is a plot point, oh, it's a trucker. black man. It's like, okay, I, mm, I, I, I just had to get that off my chest. It's yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah agree. So, like there, so this, this like, movie has, this movie has a problem with race. Like it doesn't totally. There's no one steering this fucking. But thing. when they go to the bar and murder everyone in it. It's all white mm-hmm. guys. So, 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 so and one, you know, and one, which and by the way, and the waitress. Well, yeah. and that, and the bar scene in this, honestly, every time that I think of Near Dark, I just think of that fucking bar scene and how much I love it. It's a good um, scene. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Really, this is just like Bill Paxton, who you can tell is having a goddamn ball as Severin. Uh, acting wise and you know he's uh, got this like razor blade on the bottom of his shoe that he just like swipes it across this dude's neck like a credit card at the bar like it's just that scene I feel like this is the scene where they're trying to get Caleb what they're doing is that they're you know he's Caleb is on probation basically uh, and it's like a trial basis thing where it's like okay so you're traveling around in our vampire RV um and if you know you you got to kill to eat because surprise fuck nuts you're a vampire now you gotta you gotta drink blood, um, and so they're trying to get Caleb to kill you know to like can you kill to eat and it turns out he cannot. So it's like okay so May hired Caleb without Jesse's approval and instead of a thirty day probation period he basically has a seven day probation period, so so <laughs> basically like so they take him to this bar and there's this whole thing where like they 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 order just a glass no beer no nothing just a glass so at that point you know shit's gonna go down so it's that, so good so they're like they're like we just want a glass and she brings over beer like nah just a glass and you're like uh oh. Uh oh, uh oh, and also like Severin Bill Paxton is being a total ass, like more of an and like the bartender's trying to throw shit, and the guy at the bar is trying to throw shit, and then Caleb just straight up picks up this guy and throws him, and he's like, "Did I do that?" And they're like, "Yeah, you did." And so that, yeah. that so they think things are going to go well. Spoiler alert: they don't. But so, um, but it's a great, very violent scene. That really shows mm-hmm. off Bill Paxton being the creepiest vampire ever. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, There's big... I now, And I know that this this is, you know, sort of... Yes, I was in my early 20s once, too. There's a lot of overlap for me, and maybe it's just the sunglasses, uh, between um, Severin, as played by Bill Paxton in this, and Cassidy from Preacher, the comic. Yes. Also, I feel like Bill Paxton looked at a copy of Vampire the Masquerade, the green books, and said, that woman on the cover, I want to look like her, except a dude. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yes. so, so yeah. Oh, man. That's, which, by the way, side note, uh, I'm definitely getting, I'm, I'm going to be starting a Vampire the Masquerade campaign pretty soon. So I'm going to start, like, putting, because I, it's been so long since I've played in a campaign, and I'm kind of like, man, it, you know, I've, it's one of the only source books that I've held on to for like the last 15 years is the, the VTM storyteller handbook. So that's, it's always a matter of time before there's another VTM campaign. Um, but yeah, you're totally right. Like this is, this could not look more like a late eighties vampire movie in terms of what everybody's wearing. And, you know, you've got Jeanette Goldstein with, you know, the, the bleached hair, like aesthetically, I like that this is a vampire movie that is not aristocratic and pretty and nice. It is, Fuck it, it looks sweaty. May says she lives by in the trailer park down the way. Mm-hmm. And these guys 
are that, right? So they are punk rock RV road tripping vampires. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, one of uh, one of them started the Great Chicago Fire of eighteen seventy one. I know, and, and, and another one fought for the Confederacy. No, that's not punk rock. That's no, not, not. It's punk not. Rock, it's, not it's not. It's not. This like none of none of the, they, they act punk rock, but they're not. And so like, and <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not uh, Nazi vampires. Fuck off. Um. So mm-hmm. they basically. The Caleb's family decides to stop harvesting the dirt for a moment, and they're, you know, at this motel that they all land at after Caleb, you know, does good. Like, Caleb basically redeems himself. He's like, okay, so I'm a bit of a weenie and can't really uh, abide killing somebody and sucking their blood out, but uh, he does save them by ramming the van into a thing and, like, saving all of their lives and, you know, just sort of, he, he saves the vampire family and they're pretty, they're pretty grateful for it. Um... And so Caleb's family pops up, including his little sister, mm-hmm. uh, and the creepy little kid vampire sees this little kid and goes, you know what? I kind of want a friend. But I want her too much. And the fam- and it becomes a choice between Caleb's chosen family or real family. And now he has to choose between his real family and his chosen family. And I don't know what, there's a scuffle. I don't know how... Caleb ends up in his dad's truck, but he, mm-hmm. like, unlike Let the Right One In, he has to convince his dad <laughs> that he's a vampire. And whatever the flock is going on, um, mm-hmm. uh, Caleb has to tell his dad to give him a blood transfusion somehow because a veterinarian, he's a veterinarian can somehow do this because it's either you or someone else because he has to pull the wool over his eyes as a you know I don't know I don't know I can go on with the sheep <laughs> neither hunt. does neither does the movie the movie so also has no idea he gets a blood transfusion because apparently veterinarians can just you know swap out vampires and cure them it's a thing so, so <laughs> well un- unfortunately I, I, I kept wondering though like what if it was like Caleb I'm sorry buddy all I've got is St. Bernard blood so you're a werewolf now you're a weird St. Bernard you know he's a sheep <laughs> so, so he has to, so you know he just has to follow the herd you know so. yeah it's like well uh g- good news you're not part of the living dead anymore bad news every full moon you are going to be turning into an alpaca so you're gonna want to watch out you're gonna want to watch out for that but hey you're you know you're you're a living alpaca that's that's that, that's pretty okay right that really fleeces the story though so <laughs> oh it's just it's just ridiculous like i i now, there's also a thing that kind of bugs me, which is like, and, you know, this movie being in 1987, maybe it's not quite as caught up with, like, vampires as found family sort of a thing. I hate the idea of, you know, sort of fuck your found family, go back with your normal family as a mm-hmm. thing, because I'm always kind of like, nah, get out of here. Um, but basically, the t- blood transfusion turns Caleb alive again, so he's not a vampire anymore. I don't know how this... But, it's, but like, one thing about this also is that the ending just never stops ending. You're like, okay, here's an... Okay, and then it's another ending, and then it's another ending, and then it's another ending, and I'm like... It's like Return of the King, yeah. <laughs> just like, like... Yes! And I'm just like, okay, so May comes, like, what happened? And then and then like, I'm just like, okay, what... But... Uh, so I, mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the ending to happen because there's like that it is returning. King. There's like four different ending points. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Oh no, mm-hmm. okay. So <laughs> Pro- proceed, <laughs> proceed, and then they. Well, you know, we 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 get this big. 
um, cool, like, action sequence where it's uh, the vampire family being like, no one hangs out with us and then doesn't want to hang out with us again. We've got to kill you. And so they, you know, he may, uh, Caleb has to take them all down one by one. Severin has a particularly, like, gruesome death, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Also, like, Homer blows up, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. And like, like yeah, he... oh, I forgot, I forgot about Severin's death because that thing with the semi was really mm-hmm. cool, and also it put in the whole reason why we had the guy driving the semi, and you learned how to jackknife a semi. So like, yep. and I'm like, and I'm just like, oh, cool, we're good, and then there's like the explosion. Also, Caleb looks mm-hmm. at the explosion, which shows he's not a cool guy. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, cool. listen, you can't, you can't be looking. Listen, who's got time to watch an explosion? Caleb also watches Homer explode, and he also watches Jesse and um, rattle and what's her, what's her name? Um, the girl with the rattlesnake earrings, which I never caught her. Oh, name. oh, uh, Diamondback. Diamondback. Okay, so she has Diamondback earrings. Okay, so she he watches Jesse and Diamondback explode in their really cool, awesome station wagon, which I was I had just said three <laughs> minutes before. Yeah. I really like that station wagon. I loved those station wagons back in the day. And then it oh explodes. yeah, I'm like, well, I the, guess I don't like never... that station wagon. This is why I never express fondness for anything happening on screen. This is like, this is like back in the day. I was getting uh, live texts from um, when Sarah, uh, when Sarah was still living in Portland, and they were watching uh, John Wick for the first time. Oh no! And they just texted me, "I like the dog!" Exclamation point! No. And my my goddamn blood ran cold. Oh, no. like it was, I and I was and I was frozen because I was like. Do I tell them? Yes. Like, do do I let them experience this on their own? No, and, you, t- yeah, like, it's... you tell them. When it comes to the dog in John Wick, you say, by the way, don't get attached to the dog. <laughs> yeah, dog is not here for a long time. You, um, but yeah. yeah, I feel like with like, especially with pets or with kids deaths in like non-horror movies, you go, by the way... <laughs> <laughs> Don't uh-huh. get attached to X Y Z, um, but in horror well, and, movies, and, and, and Homer, like, eh. yeah. So. Well, and Homer, the creepy kid, he explodes like a dropped watermelon. Like that little, <laughs> that little dude just fucking explodes. It is, which I, I appreciate. Honestly, I'm, 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 I'm not gonna lie. Ideologically, I respect any horror movie that's just like, yo, we're not we're 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 killing a kid in this movie because like it still feels transgressive to me. Where it's sort of like, you know, you can kill dozens of adult men in a horror movie and no one gives a shit. But you know, the creepy kid exploding like a hefty bag of vegetable soup dropped from like three <laughs> stories up. All right, movie. Um, he was terrible though. He like it was one of those things where I'm like, this kid is vile. Like. <laughs> really yeah. vile. I'm like, I don't know. He's a creepy. Like, he's a creepy little shit. Yeah. But also, he's like an old. Like he's like vampires that are children are like this kid was ancient. So he's like a like 300 year old man in a 10 year old's body. So it's like mm, that's, that's yeah. my vamp- that's that's okay. So like getting the vampire lore like because I played vampire the masquerade for like thousands of years because I, uh-huh. I was a vampire. But so like so like. Yeah. You, that's why you don't turn kids, because it gets into this whole moral thing of like you have a ten-year-old who's actually like, a hundred and fifty. Uh huh. Yeah, and then you know, and this kid never gets to have puberty. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's and uh, you know, the Vampire Chronicles did this, of course, perfectly. With honestly, I hate to say it, Kirsten Dunst's best performance for me is as Claudia in <laughs> Interview with the Vampire. Uh, 
it's I, I, I feel bad but you know like that, that's what it is is like this this kid um but jo- joshua john miller by the way the the, the guy who plays uh, homer um and also the creepy kid from from teen witch he does a great job of you know i believe that this is a 300 year old man living in the body of a small creepy child like, he's really good. like so when he explodes like i'm like when kids usually die in horror movies i'm like oh oh, oh. I'm like, like my stomach feels bad when homer explodes I'm like thank fuck <laughs> 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 creepy little fucker like him yeah no he's he belongs dead we don't we don't need we don't need this kid yeah um and yeah and so uh the the family is uh laid uh horrible waste and the the you know the forces of uh uh middle america and god and apple pie prevail and so uh may Caleb's gets transfused sc- the two that so the problem is mm-hmm. the most boring characters in the entire movie survive mm-hmm. Which is fun, I guess. <laughs> like, oh, sure. Great. We're killing off Severin, but the Wonder Bread twins get to live through this movie and become human again. Like, it's just, yeah, it's 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 disappointing, to say the least. So, uh, like, but, yeah. So, you know, mediocrity survives. I mean, I, yes, all the racist, terrible Nazi vampires all get killed. Yes, good. The creepy kid sure. dies. Yes, good. But the most boring characters in the movie survive. So I'm like, okay. So, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. And it ends on them hugging, and it's just like, you know what? I'm just gonna, you know, put this put this out here. I, get out of here with ending a, a bloody vampire movie with a nice hug. Like, also, I'm, a, I'm not. It was a still photo. Yeah, yeah, it's a still photo of just like, all right, well, hey, those two crazy kids made it mm-hmm. in the dust bowl. Good for good for them. And then you know that's the movie. Um, this movie is so deeply flawed, but I have such a fondness for it because of aesthetically what it's doing in the time period like in 1987 no one was making shit like this no also i have to say i have a fondness for anything that has a semi-truck on that either shoots fire like death race with jason statham or oh, that has yeah. a sem that has a semi-truck that does uh, does a lot of havoc while on fire so like yeah i, I don't know i there's a mm, i don't know i just like that a lot so <laughs> Even though I For didn't sure. like the movie, there I just have I'm just like oh that scene though yeah so mm-hmm. yeah really really for me you know it's a much better movie uh, than Near Dark is the YouTube search Bill Paxton Near Dark best moments enter <laughs> click like that's what I'm that's what I'm interested in in the movie Near Dark like he is he's uh, on the like Bill Paxton is just such a goddamn delight in this movie and like lance henriksen is great in everything he's in Mm -hmm. but yeah it not not a good movie but i will also put forward the soundtrack is by tangerine dream i was wondering if you're gonna mention that because i I saw that i was like oh hey and also there's a great cover of fever um in the bar that is so creepy and that's part of the reason why when they order just the glass you know shit is going to go down because that cover of fever is so creepy Absolutely. Like, the, that's what it is, is like, the, the, I, I have had the soundtrack to Near Dark on in the background while working a lot uh, in my life. Like, this is, yeah, I, so it's, I can't totally throw the, the baby out with the bathwater with Near Dark for, you know, being so fucking wildly flawed in so many ways. But I mean, it's, it's so worth a watch. And so worth a watch is like just a period of time where it was like, what if we did vampires, but Southern, you know? Mm hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's incredible. So, uh, well, parts of it are incredible. So looking at our list, um, I'm scrolling down a little bit. Uh, let's, you know what? 
Uh, let's go with at number 87, for instance, we have uh, Hellraiser, uh, the original Hellraiser. Um, Jordan, which... All right, so I'm, I'm going to use the, the, the Friday night test, right? Mm -hmm. It's Friday night, and you've got uh, a tombstone pizza, and you've got a two liter of mug root beer. Which movie are you putting on? Hellraiser or Near Dark? Oh... Okay, so I don't have a problem with needles <laughs> at all. So I'd probably put on Hellraiser, honestly. Mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, because I don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not. I don't have a problem with needles. So, um, but I would say I would probably uh, on Halloween season. I'd probably put on Near Dark for spooky season, but regular mm -hmm. Friday night, I'd put on Hellraiser. Yeah, that's what it is. Near Dark seems like a good sort of party horror movie, mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, you know, you're at like a big fucking party and, you know, you, or, or like you're at a bar or something on like goth night or something and you got to have like something on the TV behind the bar with the sound off while everyone's hanging out. I feel like Near Dark is, you'd want that in the background. So if I had, so if, if in the before times when you could have lots of people over, I would do like a mm -hmm. party and like have everybody just MST3K Near Dark. <laughs> that's yes. what i would do right yes. so or i would as or like at a halloween party i would put near dark on and just have everybody just walk through the room and watch it right so yeah because mm -hmm. it's got a lot of yeah. great visuals right so but Hellraiser oh, for sure for, for, Friday for sure yeah so agree completely um scrolling down a little bit uh at number 122 we have a saw from 2004 um which, uh, honestly, you know, like, sort of what can we say about the movie Saw that hasn't already been said about the movie Saw? I feel like between Saw and Near Dark, I think Near Dark, I want to give the edge to, just because, like, there's some kind of magic on Near Dark that's like, it's Bill Paxson having fun, it's a weird, creepy kid vampire, it's southern vampire stuff, mm -hmm. where maybe it's just that I've seen Saw too many times and, like, the magic is gone or something? What do you think? I, okay, Saw, to me, is basically just violence for the sake of violence. And in Near Dark, at least, there's a lot of problems with it, but they're all having fun, and there's actually a plot, and there's people, there's... There's things happening, and there's a lot of great scenes and visuals. And it's a party movie. Saw, I'm just like, I, 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 I was not a fan <laughs> yeah. of Saw. So I was like, this is mm. so. Um, mm -hmm. I don't. Know. Yeah, you're not. You're not. You're not exactly putting on Saw at a party. I or would, maybe you are. If I were gonna put this, I would put this below Ginger Snaps as a party movie. I don't know. That's me. Oh, I love. Ginger I love Snaps. Ginger Snaps as a party movie, and I don't know. I don't know. I also. I don't know, yeah, I don't know. That's where I would put it. I because mm -hmm. I think I think Com yeah. It just I don't know. Comparatively, they're similar as far as problems yeah. and fun and ridiculousness. So, and also another coming of age movie. Really, yes, That's, yes. You know what it is. <laughs> you you uh, if you're a vampire, you go home. Your veterinarian father uh, gives you German Shepherd blood, and then we get ginger snaps. This yes. is how you have. <laughs> This is how you have werewolf puberty in Canada. Is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so actually, now right below uh, Ginger Snaps at number 98 is uh, Takashi Miike's Audition, another Ooh. movie that I love, but which I gotta tell you, Friday Night Test for me, and I, I adore Audition, it's not an every night movie, you know what I mean? Mm -mm. Like, it's, I it's, a, it's a hard... 
Oh boy, I I hmm, speaking of needles, there's it's, there's a, there's a thing with audition and needles, okay, but okay. between between audition, which by the way, it's also on Shutter if you if you care to watch it. It's I love I love the movie Audition, but it's very much like a thing that I love about Takashi Miike is that he the, the, this movie it's it, it it instills such a like there's something dangerous happening here and I can't predict it and I don't know what to expect that I really, really love, that I also feel like Near Dark kind of does, but Near Dark, you can watch that, like, you know, relatively relatively frequently in a way that Audition, I feel like it's not not a, not a movie for all seasons. Um, so I would, f- how do you feel about that? Like, right above Audition, right below Ginger Snaps. I think that's good. I think that's, I think that's good. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So coming in at our new number, 98, uh, above Audition and below Ginger Snaps is Near Dark. And by the way, we are now 529 uh, horror movies into our list. Uh, so it is, yeah, I, I love that we've just now gotten to Near Dark after doing, like, what if we did The Crow, City of Angels? <laughs> um, which, by the way, is at number 515. Oh, wow. um, oh boy, I hate that movie. Um, Jordan, holy shit, thank you so much for coming on the show. It, it has been a complete pleasure. You're welcome. I really enjoyed it, and seeing two vampire movies that I hadn't seen was a total treat. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, which by the way, we uh, we've got to have you back to do the Hunger with David Bowie at yes. some point. Ugh. Um, where so Jordan, uh, where can our listeners find you on the internet? And do you have anything that you want to plug or so, uh, uh, put out there for the for the nice folks to look at? I'm at tw- I'm on Twitter at Corellian. Um, my website is myname.com. I, um, I have a book coming out from Vernacular um, called I Never Liked You Anyway. It also has murder in it as a retelling of Orpheus and Eurydice, modern, Fuck sort yes. of like as if Orpheus and Eurydice was told by the CW network. Um, <laughs> um, so, um, what a perfect pitch, by the way. That is, <laughs> that is my favorite pitch for anything. <laughs> Thank you. I have a story out with Mermaids Monthly of poem in Void Junk volume two um yeah so i also have a story coming out in lamplight in december um elise catherine tobler's um issue so yeah fuck yes oh it's it's so good guys please please go check it out um jordan is one of the best writers doing it today Aww. um it's, it's no like every every time that a new thing pops up from you i i click on it sight unseen because it's like fuck yeah new, new jordan story um <laughs> Rank and Vile listeners, you can uh, find us as always permanently and abidingly shitposting on Twitter at Rank and Vile Cast. Um, we are just about everywhere podcasts are had. We are on um, Stitcher. We're on iTunes. Guys, um, if you uh, enjoy the show and you like listening to us uh, talk about how much we want to marry Bill Paxton, um, pl- consider leaving us a, a review on iTunes, uh, whatever star number you think is fair. We really appreciate everybody who's done it. Um, we have a Patreon, so go uh, check that out for bonus content. Uh, but that is about all I've got. Have a good week, folks.